0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at Cowboy Junction Church Online. We're sure glad that you did. We hope that today's message will encourage you and challenge you as you connect passionately with the word that God has specifically for you. Would you do me a big favor? Rate, review, and subscribe to this message. Also, I want to let you know that if you would like to connect with Cowboy Junction, get our text messages with encouragement and announcements, you can do so by texting the word CONNECT to 575-209-2770. You could also rate, review, and subscribe. That sure would be helpful to us. If you would like to partner with Cowboy Junction in the spreading of the gospel by financially giving, you can do so by going to cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash Give. I hope you enjoy the message. Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. We're going to kick off this love series. And this series, what we're about to study is so important to me. And I, I want it to be important to you. Because at Cowboy Junction, we believe that this series will teach us that if you know God, you'll know love. But the only way to know love is to know God. We hope that after this message, you will have a whole new way to view the heart of God and love. So sit back and enjoy. Today is a very important day because I think for some of you, you've never heard what we're about to say before. You've never heard a message like this before. And I just want everybody within the sound of my voice, listening, watching, whatever you're doing, wherever you think you are with the Lord, wherever you think you are with relationship with God, wherever you are in regards to a church or pastors, wherever you think you are, I'd like for you today to start back at the finish line or the start line, the starting line. Not the finish line, but go back to the starting line. That's not a bad thing to do. Um, when you train, you're always training from a starting line standpoint. And today, we're, that's very much the case uh, on where we're at, and, and I, I just want to encourage you to, to look at this in a whole new way. I'm going to start today off with a story, okay? And the story is um, very important to me. It's a story that is the story of my life. It's the story of where I am today and what God has done in my heart. Let me just start off by telling you the being you see before you is not the being you would have even recognized 20, 22 years ago. And you may go, Ty, we knew you 22 years ago. Well, some of you did, some of you didn't, but one thing that you will know is I am a completely different person. Now, that I was pastoring when my life changed so much, so let me fill in the blanks. Let me start off. I was a young man living in Phoenix, Arizona, attending and working at and pastoring with one of the greatest churches in America to this day. I still think it's one of the greatest churches in America everything was great i was a single young man i was um i was uh gosh everything that was could be right was right and got a phone call from southeastern new mexico which i was very aware of uh, because i grew up in artesia to come speak at a new cowboy church that they were uh, having at the cell barn in lovington and uh, once a month they were having church services bringing in guest speakers and they had heard that, that I was a pretty good little old speaker, and they asked me to come on in. And I came in and did human videos. And for some of them, it was the very first time they'd ever seen a human video. And, priests and, and I was invited by Krill and CG and Sadie back in the day to come speak. And, and there was just a relationship that was built on the spot. It wasn't long after that they said, listen, it's just hard to find speakers. Would you be interested in coming in every other month? So that began the, the relationship. They would get speakers, and, but they knew that Ty would be able to hit six months out of the year. So it was just a blessing for me to get to come back home, see Mom and see Dad and see everybody. But it wasn't long after that until Krill called me and said, "Okay." I know you like us, and we like you, and, and what would you think about becoming the pastor of Cowboy Junction Church? Now this is, we had no building, we had no land, we had nothing. They didn't even know what they were going to pay me. This did not look good at all, okay? And, and they, they, they basically just said, we want you to work off of love. Well, love don't pay the bill, but I was, I was thinking about it anyway. And, and I, I, I turned to her on the phone, and I said, no, that's just not my calling. I was speaking in a lot of places, I was going to tons of Cowboy Church services and the rodeos and I just felt like that's where God wanted me and I told my original answer to being the pastor at Cowboy Junction was no and as I drove that summer as I went around the country I just got to thinking about you know you're getting to a point in your life you're 28 years old 27 28 years old you got Ty what do you want to do and I prayed and prayed and prayed for six months and they didn't know it and then I called Krill back and I said if the offer still stands I'd like to be the pastor And that's how it all began. We didn't have anything. We met in that cell barn. We opened it up to once a week. Now, let me just tell you the reason I have these Bibles, all uh, 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 reading material here, is because on my first day of showing up, I stopped by the bookstore in in Arizona, and I loaded up on all my pastoral material that I needed to be a pastor. I I, I at least got the first chapter of every book I'm holding here today, okay? Uh, I read the first chapter and the last chapter of every one of these books. I had the The Nelson's Minister Manual. This is a go to when it comes to uh, funerals and weddings, okay? Uh, Let's go to. You can't go wrong with the the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. John Maxwell will bail you out of more stuff and the whole anything you can get yourself into. I had all kinds of commentaries that were important. Don't forget the youth. Can't forget the youth. The youth Bible helped me put together so many, so many sermons for the youth because I was pastoring the youth. And the, the adults, and you can't, I had to study up on Overland Mission, or I had to study up on, on missions in general. And so I had my mission manual, and then we had to work at discipleship. And so I showed up, and I tell you this because this is my first day on the job. And I just came from one of the most successful churches in the nation. I just came from one of the most successful churches in the nation. Tommy Barnett was my hero, and all I could think in my head is, I know how to pastor a church. I've been taught by the best. I got this, man. I've been taught. I'm smart. I'm anointed. I can do human videos. Yes. And and off we went. And our church was running about 100 people in the cell barn when I became the pastor of Cowboy Junction. And in one year, I ran that church to 30 people. That's how awesome I am. That's how awesome I am. And by the end of one year, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on in my life? It's at this point that the only thing good that's happening really in my life is the fact that I am pastoring the New Mexico High School Rodeo Association. This beautiful blonde is coming in to come into my life, and things look real promising there, and <laughs> But, but I'm honestly thinking, because when we agreed on me being the pastor at Cowboy Junction, it was on a one-year contention. And that one year was coming up pretty quick. And we were going to have a heart-to-heart talk of whether this could work or not. Because starting a church is hard. Doing anything at the beginning is hard. Starting a business is hard. Everything from the beginning is hard. And so I had the idea of having one of my friends come speak. He's one of my best friends. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And and really, honestly, he's one of the guys that really, uh, when he would speak, I would hear things about God that would just make me pay attention. Have you ever had somebody in your life that when they talked about God, it just made you pay attention? And so I thought, "Ah, I need to have Darren down. And so Darren came down and spoke for us, but he stayed for a week, and we were able to go to Snyder because I was doing a college radio Bible study in, in Snyder, and he spoke there, and Heather went with us, and it was such a great time. But Darren and I got some real quiet time, some private time together, and, and, and he began to ask me, how's it going, man? How's it going as a pastor? I noticed there was 30 people there. I noticed that, that, that you're, you seemed a little stressed. Um, are you okay? And I just began to go down the list of everything is great, everything's awesome. I've just got to study more. I've just got to pray more. I've just got to work harder. I need to go knock on some doors. I need to get out there. I need, I, need, I need to figure out. I need to work youth better. I need to get more youth volunteers. I need to be doing this and this and this. And he began to ask me a series of questions. And the questions that he began to ask me weren't about church. And the reason he began to ask me about something else is because he noticed all of my answers were wrapped around the productivity of church and not my relationship with God. When he asked his friend, how are you doing, he didn't mean the church. He meant, how's your relationship with God? But I immediately went to the church, and I was basing my performance, my life, my relationship with God on how the church was doing. But he wasn't asking about the church. As the week went on, he began to find that I talked all about the church. I was always talking about the church, but I was never talking about my relationship with God. And sometimes he would see how the two went together. How when we talked about the church, it was in relationship with how God and my relationship with him was. And by the end of the week, he finally just had to confront it. And he said, the whole week we've talked about the church, but how are you doing with your relationship with the Lord? And I said, almost offensively, you've got to be kidding me. I'm the pastor of Cowboy Junction Church. My relationship with God is good. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? I'm half mad, he asked. I'm half ticked, he wanted to know. I'm, I'm, I'm furious that he would even have a thought as to how my relationship with God was. But he wasn't doubting my relationship. He could see the unhealthiness of my spirit even while doing what God called me to do. And a good friend is able to love you and pull you aside and say, dude, let's talk. And so we began to talk. And he said, well, how do you, I hear in your voice this sense of disappointment, like, like you need to do more, act more, pray more, study more, be more. And I turned to him, I said, well, that's how you start a church. And he goes, okay, I'm not talking about the church. Is this how you view God? And that threw me. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, do you see God asking you to do more, be more, pray more, study more, go more, serve more, preach more, preach louder, preach longer? And I said, well, I just just think that God's got me in a place where it's just going to take a lot more than I'm giving. And he said, to the church or your relationship with him? And I didn't know how to answer that. Then we began to talk about my relationship with him. And you've got to just think for a minute. Just call a time out. For one year, I had not thought about my relationship with him. All I had thought about was how am I ever going to be a pastor and all the things I needed to do. And as he began to talk, he began to ask, how do I see God seeing me? Now, I'd always thought about how do I see God? He is holy. He is awesome. He is creator of the universe. He is great. He is worthy of our praise. But this is the first time that I could remember someone asking me, how do I see God? And so I had to ask him, what do you mean? And my friend stopped everything. And he goes, we just need to stop. And we need to go, I want to read your scripture. And I thought that was so dumb. I know all the scriptures. I read my Bible. Come on, don't quote me scriptures. I mean, I'm supposed to quote the scriptures. And it made me mad. But this is my friend. He came a long way. And he is my guest. And usually when he does say something, it's something I lean into. So what if? And he turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 starts off like this. Though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love. Time out. Though I speak words that could resonate in heaven or on earth, words that only angels and God would know and words that only men would recognize came from God, thunder words, but I have not love. I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Goes on. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, now imagine that. That's a pretty big statement right there. So that I could remove mountains. Mountain, jump. Mountain, move. But I have not love. I'm nothing. And he goes on. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And he asked, how do you see God, and do you see God as love? I said, well, of course God's love. I, I, I'm, yeah, I know God's love. And he said, well, tell me the definition of love. Well, I don't know. And he goes, well, let's read the definition of love. And he continued and he says that love suffers long and is kind, which means love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy and love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love's not puffed up and love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own and love is not provoked love thinks no evil it goes on love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth love bears all things love believes all things love hopes all things love endures all things and love never fails and it dawned on me i read this scripture a thousand times of course i know first corinthians chapter 13 the love scripture what love is and he said, do you believe in love? And I said, of course I do. Of course I, do. I, I believe in love. And he said, but I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that God is love? Well, I don't know. I mean, I do in the form that I know God's love. But what do you mean? And he said this. Let's go back. Can we go back to the beginning of, of 1 Corinthians uh, where it says love, love, is, love, um, love is patient? Can we go there? Okay, love suffers long. Love is patient. My friend turned to me and said, do you see God as patient? I said, what do you mean? And he goes, do you see God as the kind of God that if you took forever, he would patiently, lovely wait on you to get to where he's asking you to be? I said, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the reason why is because We've got to win souls for Jesus. There are people going to hell on a daily basis. And if I'm going to be a pastor in Lee County and I see all these people making the dumbest decisions I've ever seen in my life, we've got to move now because you never know when God's going to return and their blood is going to be on my hands. And he said, so God's not patient. I said, what do you mean God is patient? He said, well, we know that God is love. And when we get the definition of love, this is also the defining of who God is. And if we took the word love and took it out and put the word God in here, do you see God as love? He goes, let's go to the next one. God is kind. Do you see God as kind? And I, I, I want to. I want to see God as kind. But honestly... If you had to work with me, you'd kind of get impatient too. And it would cause you to be a little frustrated. And I said, it's not that I don't see God as love. It's just that in my life, I see God wearing a watch going, oh my gosh, Ty, come on. How long does it take you to get something? How long does it take you to follow me? You've read that same book of the Bible 20 times now, and you still can't remember what it said in chapter 1, much less chapter 2. There's an impatience that I see God, and also the kindness. I believe God is kind to everyone, and I want everyone to feel that. But for me, I feel like God is right there with his hand back as a disciplinarian to say, You're not moving fast enough. You're not moving fast enough. You're not moving fast enough. And me going, you're right, Dad. You're right, Dad. That's, you're right, Dad. And that's okay with me. That's okay. And he said, how can you ever have a relationship with a father that is impatient and unkind? You are an abused son who will never have a closeness to your father if you don't see him as the loving father that he is. Now, I showed up with every piece of material there was to pastor a church. But the more and more that my friend Darren spoke, the more and more that I realized I knew God. But I didn't know the heart of my father. And what's being asked of you in this church today is to look past church and to look past what you know about God. And to go back to do you have a relationship with him to the point that you feel so comfortable and so welcome that you can see him as the loving father who has had unbelievable patience, kindness in regards to you so that you can walk past whatever it is into his presence to trust him so that you can follow him today we're going to start breaking this down and we're going to go to let's talk about patience patience is the amazing word when it comes to God and I know we covered it a little bit but in the years this changed my life to start seeing God as the father who is patient for you that he knows exactly how your brain functions He knows exactly the condition of your heart, and he is asking you to come quickly to him. But as a loving father who is not going to hold it against you in however long it takes you to finally come to where he wants you to come. The more and more that I saw God as patient, the more and more in my life I'm able to move faster, not as a performance-based relationship, but as a love-based relationship, knowing that he has never let me down. He has always loved me through some of my most unlovable times, and it has changed me the most to know that God does not wear a watch. Another word for patience is this, understanding. And one of the key things about today is not only did I not see my God as patient, but I wasn't a very patient person as well. One of the things that I recognized about patience is understanding. And this was the biggest eye-opener for me, is when we talk about being patient for someone or having patience for ourselves, meaning that God is patient with us, to know that God understands what you've been through and to know that it may take you a little bit to build a trust, but it's going to be His love that causes that trust to be built makes you want to trust him more in your relationship. Let me give you a, a, a quick example. I've used this example a thousand times, and it's one of my biggest moments of when it was explained to me like this, when my friend Darren explained to me, it, it to me like this. What is understanding? Okay, so imagine if you were sick, okay? Imagine if you were sick. You're very sick. You're coughing. You're coughing, you're coughing. You have 103 degree temperature, Okay. You don't feel good, you feel awful, you're halfway nauseated, and you're halfway ticked off that you got sick. And it comes to the point to where you can't stay at home anymore. So you turn to your wife, or you turn to your husband, and you go, I don't know what to do, we've tried everything. And then you just decide, you got to go to the hospital. And you're mad about it. This is dumb. It's always dumb going to the hospital at the very beginning, wouldn't you agree? So you jump in the car, and you go to the hospital, and it's like, you know, they meet you at the front door. They come out with a wheelchair. You're like, you don't need a sneaking wheelchair, but they're going to make you sit in the wheelchair. And they bring you in, and you get IV'd up, and you go to your room, and you get to your room, and you don't feel good. And you're about to doze off to go to sleep. Are we all tracking so far? And then someone comes in the emergency door, and it's a crying baby. And this baby is screaming it's head off and you're sitting there going oh my gosh you've got to be stinking kidding me you don't feel good you're nauseated you've got 103 degrees temperature and now the kid's going to come into the emergency room and it's going to cry all night for 45 minutes the baby cries for an hour and a half the baby cries for two hours the baby cries and finally you've had enough We need a tighter shift around here in our hospital. We need things to get tighter around here. And so you hit your nurse's button, and you poke it. And no one comes. Oh, that makes you mad. And so you poke it again, and no one comes. And finally, you poke it for the third time, and in runs a nurse. And she comes in, and she goes, are you okay? And they go, and you say, can you shut that kid up? And the lady goes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Here's what's going on. A mother was cooking spaghetti at her house and had boiling water. The baby is three years old and reached up and grabbed the handle, pulled the handle down and an entire pot of boiling spaghetti hot water came down on the top of the baby and now there's 45% of its body in third degree burns, blisters all over the place and we're trying to get an IV in its arm, and he keeps shaking and keeps moving, and he's crying hysterically, and the mama is distraught because she's blaming herself. I'm so sorry. Now don't you feel like a complete jerk. Now your fever doesn't feel so bad, does it? Now, your cough doesn't hurt so much, does it? And a minute ago, you just wanted someone to get this baby out of the hospital. And now you turn to the nurse and go, you know what? Forget me. I'll be fine. I'm perfectly fine. You go take care of that baby. You go take care of that mama. And you know why you shifted so, mu- so quickly with patients? because you understand. And the reason why you don't see God as patient is because you don't think he understands what you've been through. But the more that you understand that God was with you when your parents separated and God was with you when your heart was broken that one day and God was with you when you got cheated and God was with you when you Felt that pain. And God was with you when you got that strike, that hit. God was with you in that moment, in this moment, in this moment. And when you start seeing God who has been there with you the whole time, and now there are walls built up because of things that have happened, you can start seeing God as the loving Father that turns to you and says, I know, and I understand, and you're worth waiting on, and that's love. And instantly when my friend told me that, I thought, God is patient. The next thing he said, do you see God as kind? I was scared to answer at this point. And I thought to myself, I want to. The answer that can come is when we start seeing God not only as kind, but we see him as good. Good. And the thing about seeing God as good is to realize that no matter how evil we might have seen or experienced, to understand that our Father in heaven is a good, good Father. And the dangerous thing about some folks is that you believe God is good, but you just might have an ace in the hole. You carry around with you, everywhere you go, this "yeah, but. You know what a yeah, buddy is? It's like I'm 99% God's good. He's good to everybody. But God, do you remember that time? And God, do you remember that person that I lost? And remember that we prayed and we prayed and you didn't seem good that day. And it makes us not cross over to really trust God. And, and let me give you something real quick. In order for us to really see God as good, we're going to have to see God as great as well. Great to the point, I want you to go back, and maybe you had a father, or maybe you know someone who had a father, who you could look at and know that no matter what you knew, that was consistency. Yeah. And there are things that you know, that God knows that we will never know. But if we keep pulling out our ace in our pocket, if we keep popping the aces out, and it could be all kinds of different aces where I'm going to go to church, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to believe in God, I'm going to confess my sins. But I can't really trust you because. And I can't really trust. If you keep pulling your ace in the hole out and never see God as the good father he is. At some point, can I, can I give you a real quick what Tybean had to do? I had to turn to the father and start out with an attitude of forgiveness. Father, I don't know everything you know. But I've got to to walk away from the resentment that I carry towards you. And I use this term loosely because there are some people saying, you can't forgive God. If I have been hurt by something that I think God did, it's okay for me to turn to God and say, Father, forgive me. For having this against you. I am ready to see the things that I don't see. Because I'm carrying unforgiveness towards you. All of a sudden I realize that God's a big enough father. That he can say thank you. Come on. Let's start over. My friend pulled up some more scriptures. Remember this part where it says love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Leave those up there for a minute. These are all qualities that love isn't. And it's also qualities that God isn't either. God does not envy. And sometimes we think that just the point to where we get something, God's going to tell us or ask us to give it to him. That's not yours. Give it to me. That's not yours. Give it to me. And one of the things we believe and as awesome as God is, God owns everything. But when we sit there and think that God is going to take everything from me, there'll never be a relationship there. And one of the things we have to step into is that envy isn't envy for himself. God does not envy, but God does envy for you. He's jealous for you. He wants you to experience his goodness and his greatness. And I've always seen God as someone who takes But I've never seen God as someone who gives. And when I pray and things don't happen, I just assume that's just God keeping it for himself. God's never gonna give it to me. Until I realized do you know how many things that God has held back from me because it wasn't the best He had for me? There's been some really cool times. Think about some of the girls that I prayed I would marry. And thank God they didn't work out. I mean, that, you're clapping because you love Heather too. A minute ago, the band, uh, Fabian Leslie sang the old Garth song. Remember that one? Remember the other Garth song, Anse- <laughs> Unanswered Prayers? And you got to realize that next thing, time you pray for something and it doesn't happen, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because God may actually think the world of you. And you're not looking for the 99 things you can get from God. You're looking for the one best thing that God wants to give you. And sometimes you got to learn to wait on it. And sometimes it has to develop. And sometimes it starts off as a seed and it turns into a fruit. And there's a right time to pick it. But God does not envy from you. God wants to give to you. God does not parade itself. Is not puffed up or behave rudely. And sometimes when I've been in some churches, we see God that is this desperate person that says, you're not praying enough. Sing louder, sing louder, sing louder. And we see God is sometimes this, insecure little g god that says you're just not hurt you you hurt my feelings when you don't sing right and how come it is when everybody's out there having cotton candy and coffee and they start the first song in here how come how come y'all don't come in here and worship me and sometimes we see god as this little insecure teenage girl no i'm serious have you ever grown up in a church to where it was like the worship leader or the pastor like come on you're not giving enough You're not doing enough. I mean, how high can you raise your hands? Is there any point? Have you been to church where you're standing on your tippy toes because you don't want to let God down? One day I just had to put my hands down and say, that's not God. That's not my God that is just sitting here parading itself. Look at me. Look at me. If if this is offending you right now, I want you to stop and realize our God is not some puffed up, insecure, parading himself teenage sissy. (laughs) Our God is the one that says, come on, if you use your words, you've blessed me. Come on, give me your best, but you know what your best is. Don't have your relationship be built on what the worship leader has to ask you to do. Come boldly to my throne and say, good morning, Dad. I love you. There's been those that have said, I can't raise my hand, I'm not an expressive person. I'm going to turn to you and say, I want you to be whatever you're comfortable for for being, but I want you to have the security to know that if you walked into your loving Father's presence, could you honestly give Him your best? Or are we a little insecure? Because we see God as insecure. The bottom one here, do not behave rudely. Sometimes that's the only way that some of us in this room know how to express our love, it's sarcasm and rudeness. And sometimes we see God like this too. Well, if you wouldn't have, and I guess if they, and the, can I, can I, I had one of the best texts this week from a girl that I'm very close with who listened to the love series from way back. And she texts in and she says, every time I'm rude or sarcastic, it's a defense mechanism for the insecurity I have in my life. And do you know that we will only be rude to others if we see our father as rude also? A father who will kick down a door, a father who will knock you upside the head, A father who will let you get embarrassed just because, you know, I guess you learned your lesson. What father ever let his child go through that? What good father ever stepped in the path and let himself get embarrassed to protect his child? And that's your father in heaven. It goes on from rude. We go to this. It says, love does not seek its own. It is not provoked and it thinks no evil. How you view people is also how you view God. And we covered that last week. And how do we walk in a world where we're not seeking our own, we're not provoked. Seeking our own is, how can we be number one? How can I be number one? How can I be number one? Provoked, provoked is how do you deal with your anger? What fires you off? What ticks you off? And can I say that our Father in heaven has every reason to destroy the earth but he chose love because he is love and the next time that you run into somebody that just absolutely pushes all your buttons let me tell you one of the greatest things that happened to me when I first started this I couldn't wait to preach to those people I couldn't wait to preach to those people yeah there are going to be a hundred people here but that one person I'm going to let her have it this morning I'm going to let him have it this morning get out of my way this is between me and them this morning and God said, do you see me like that? And when I remember that love is not provoked. you know that right now in this room, watching online, there are people who go to Cowboy Junction, but they're not happy with Cowboy Junction. They send emails. They say tacky things. Sometimes they just don't show up. And can I, can I turn to you and say, if I focused on them, it would take my focus off of God. That's right. Come on. Okay? And we need to look at God the very same way. If he's going to focus on all the people who don't like him, then he's going to not focus on us. And can I turn to you and say, if you are a child and daughter of the Most High God, you have God's focus and attention. And the same thing goes for me. And when I focus on him, I'm able to love everybody. God thinks no evil. Do you all know that God thinks about heaven way more than he thinks about hell? And yet, sometimes in churches, that's all we preach on is hell. I haven't preached on hell in forever. The One day I brought a... Have you ever seen a, a, a leaf burner that's hooked to a propane bottle? And you turn on it, it goes... Boom! I brought CG up here and I said, I want you to read John 3.16. So CG opens her Bible and she's got John 3.16, and I'm over here with a striker going, <laughs> and she's just like scared. She's just like scared. And I said, start reading. And, and she says, For God so loved the world at about the same time that the propane catches. And I turn that bottle up, and I've got a flame shooting out of that little burner. And I said, Keep reading. And so over here you've got propane fire going. <laughs> And you've got C.G. trying to read about the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. And then she'd stop. And she like scared like I was going to singe her or something. I'd go, I'd just keep poking her. Keep reading. Keep reading. And at the end, I shut everything off. And I said, isn't it interesting that we're not able to focus on God's love when we're always focused on hell? Come on, think about it. I just figured I was going to win more people to Jesus Telling about the Father's love instead of talking about all the evil that's in the world. So the next time you guys want me to preach on Republicans or Democrats, conservative or the other people, liberal, Dallas Cowboys or the Denver Broncos, I'm not going to do it. Because there are better things to talk about. I want to talk about my father because he is good. I'm going to wrap this up. How am I doing so far? Okay, here we go. Keep going. Love does. Let's cover. What is love? Remember, God is love. So, so God does. What does he do? He rejoices in the truth. He loves it when finally truth wins. Do you all know that God's not trying to always be Right. But God is trying to get us to love truth over false. He loves it when truth comes out. Can I I just turn to you real quick and say, you're not going to like everybody who brings you truth. But if you're able to recognize truth, it was probably God who brought it in your life. Because he loves you. God does, what's the next one? Bear all things. And that's one of the most important things I've ever heard in my entire life. Because as a pastor, I want to carry everything. I want to carry everything. I've got to make sure I got this. I've got to make sure I got this. I've got to make sure I got this. But y'all know the safest place I've ever been in my life is when I let go and let God be all things for me. I'm the best pastor I could possibly ever be when I go to Him first. When you're the best that you will ever be when you spend time with him first. This, bear all things, quit trying to be everything that is asked of you to be. And would you step into who you are as a daughter or a son of him beyond anything else. And you will be the light that God has called you to be. In fact, let me jump in real quick and and show you something. God called you to be a sheep. I'll say it again. And, and, and I was thinking about this all week because someone got mad at me because I, I said, be a sheep. When this person is like, now's the time, quit being a sheep. Be a wolf. And I was driving down the road, and I began to think about something. And I just want you to hear me, listen to me very carefully. There is a wolf that lives inside Tybinus. The other day I was praying, God, make me a sheep that knows your voice, that follows you, that trusts you. And I pictured Jesus with a shepherd's staff. And I'm walking straight to the shepherd. Does this make sense? But to walk to the shepherd, I have to walk by an old wolf. And when the sheep walks by this wolf, this is me driving down the road, it was so crystal clear. You could hear that sucker growling. You can hear that sucker baring his his teeth, getting ugly, wanting to snap at that sheep. But if that sheep focused on the the wolf, that wolf would attack it. But if the sheep focused on the shepherd, I saw Jesus take that staff and raise it up just like this. And I saw that old wolf just cower back. That old wolf is everything Tybean used to be. That old wolf is the short temper Tybean used to be. That old wolf is the angry, mad at the world, ticked off, mad person, man that, that, that died a long time ago. And he wants nothing more than to tell that sheep, now's the time in today's day and age, you need to let me come back in charge. But I know if he does, I'm not going to be able to let the shepherd be the shepherd and I just walked to the shepherd and I watched that sheep. And this is the illustration I wanted to show you. I have watched that shepherd as I followed him touch people on the shoulder. There were times in our marriage that we were raising a family and we didn't have any money. And we just kept following the shepherd, and he showed me creative, wonderful ways to make money. Just out of the blue, really cool ways that put food on our table. And God began to just touch shoulders of people saying, you need to hire Tybean. You, 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 you need to get behind Tybee's ministry. I, I saw God as he moved things and, and he, he made ways possible. As, as the shepherd began to take his staff and make things happen that I could never make on my own. And The wolf said, I'll do it, I'll do it. But my faith said, let the shepherd do it, let the shepherd do it, let the shepherd do it. And it doesn't matter what world you're in, it's the shepherd's staff that will touch people, touch situations, bless things, and will cause things to happen because he leads us to green grass. And he protects us. And this has changed my whole mind on I'm supposed to carry everything if I truly follow the Lord and realize that God bears it all. He goes on and says this. God believes all things, which means in whatever situation you might be in, God always sees. What does he see? Next one, hope. He believes and there is hope in whatever situation you've got going on. If you're watching this and you just, you're just bound by drugs or alcohol or a, or a horrible situation, let me tell you what. Your world would tell you you're stuck. But God is believing and God is hoping that you would see that he is the way to life and eternal life. God is believing and hoping right now. God endures all things. Can go through anything with you. Go through anything. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Can turn all things around for good to those Who know him and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. But it wraps up like this. Love never fails. And I just want to just wrap this up so we understand what this means. It's not just love. It's God never fails. For some of you, you've never heard this before. You've only heard that God will fail you because you failed God. Your whole life you've been told, the moment you mess up, God's going to leave you. The moment you stub your toe, God's going to leave you. When I was growing up, I was taught that you could lose your salvation. And the more and more that I have known my Father in heaven, I have seen that God is never going to lose those who choose Him. Never going to lose those who choose Him. Our God never fails. And if you keep seeing a God who's going to leave you the moment that you do something wrong. Let me ask you this. Would you treat your kids that way? My kids have screwed up so many times, and they're good kids. They're great kids. What if if Heather left me the very moment I messed up? What if she walked in and said, okay, strike one, we're done? What if? What if Heather extended me a little bit of love and said, okay, I'll give you a second chance? and then I did it again would you turn and go well that's exactly what he deserves or would you go are you kidding me marriage is made up of of failures and rebounds and rebounds and failures and, 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 and you get this rhythm to where all of a sudden you begin to work as a team and I want you to start seeing your father in heaven that turns to you and says keep coming back to me keep coming back to me and that's one of the things he loved about David is that David had a repentant heart and was a rebounder an awesome rebounder and for you to start seeing your God that has his door always open and saying come back to me come back to me and that love that's always there for the next couple of weeks we're gonna look at an amazing story and I want you to go home and I want you to read it it's the story of the prodigal son okay and in the story of the prodigal son you had two lost souls one lost soul was a rebellious child. The other lost soul was a religious child. Mm-hmm. Come on. And we're going to look at the father's heart who never gave up on either one of them, even though the religious son was saying, forget about my brother. And the younger son says, I'll forget about you guys completely. But the father didn't forget either one of them. Love never failed. And to wrap this up, I want to ask a few questions. You ready? Number one, I want you to write these down. This was a question we brought up last week. I think it's worth being repeated this week. How do you see God? Teenager, how do you see God? And my encouragement to you is to start seeing him as the loving father that he is. Because the more you trust him, the more your faith has a chance to grow. And the more your faith grows, the more you'll step into your identity of being the son or the daughter that he's called you to be. But love brings trust. The next question I have for you is this. Do you believe God loves you? And don't just quick answer this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to look down at the deep depths. depths of where insecurity might live and unworthiness might be, where pain and hurt go deep, areas that you really don't want to go to but have a lot to do with how you see your creator, your father in heaven. I want you to be able to go into places that he wants to take this question and ask, do you believe God loves you? Because how you believe God loves you has a lot to do with how you hear the words no, and how you hear the words yes, and how you hear the words wait, and how you hear the words go, and how you hear the words serve, How you hear the words give, how you hear the words love others, all wrap around this incredible question, do you believe God loves you? And another question or statement that I want to make is if love is missing in your life, then a vital part of life is missing. If you find it impossible to love others, it might have a lot to do with you not knowing how much God loves you. If you find it hard to love in unlovable times, you might need to search out if you know how much you were unlovable at one time and how much God loved you in spite of the unlovableness about you. When my friend got through sharing what i shared with you just today he turned to me and he said so you see god as impatient unkind keeping a record of your wrongs uh, uh frustrated with you and and you, he fails you because you failed him first and i thought oh, that sounds horrible but with all bravery inside of me i said yeah And he goes, Ty, what's the opposite of love? And what's the opposite of God? What would you say is the opposite of God? And I said, the devil? And he goes, well, here's the facts. You probably have a closer relationship with the devil than you do God. Just when I thought a death by a thousand cuts... That was a blow to the chest. But this was my friend. And some things you can only hear from people who love you. And it dawned on me, I didn't love the devil, but I didn't know my God. And that was the day that my whole prayer shifted. And I began to pray, Father, show me what love is. Show me who you are. And our God is all the things that we just read love is and over the years some amazing things have taken place I've become a lot more patient with myself I've become a lot more kind to myself I don't keep the wrongs that I used to keep on myself and my relationship with my father has grown closer because I have seen that God is love and he loves me and it has caused me to want to change and next week we're going to talk about that change does anything go if you know God loves you? No. God's going to ask you to follow him. And following him is going to mean you're going to change. But trust me, you're going to want to change when you know how much he loves you. And we're going to talk about that next week. But this week, would you stop and ask yourself the question I asked you to ask? Do you know that God loves you?